do you think would be the most suitable team? A Belgian Matthew team. Van, so who? Quick step. I think quick but, step. But they, why, why would they go for him? He's Belgian. Well, I thought you just said he was Dutch. What? He is Dutch. Yes. <laughs> Shut up, that one. <laughs> <laughs> I can plate the two. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, don't in don't front give of me attitude. You've got to stand there and take it. I'm sorry. He said, <laughs> I said, he's the Dutch National Road Race Championship. Graham went immediately to his phone. You said, sure, sure. Is he allowed to wear it for some other reason? Um, so, so, yeah, no attitude from you two. Welcome to Top Tube, where amateur riding expertise... Fucking, that was too much of a pause, wasn't it? Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> Falling over the first sentence, as ever, <coughs> me. Welcome to Top Tube, where amateur riding expertise meets pro peloton opinion. Joining me this week, again, couldn't stop them, the Battenberg to my Passerberg. Actually, that was going to be me. It's <laughs> on the cake, man. The Max Rushton to my Max Shackman, David Quainton. Am I okay with that? Yeah, okay, let's go. Yeah, it's a pretty good yeah, one, to be yeah, fair. He's, he's Max Rushton seems like a I good like guy. Him, yeah, we like Max Rushton. And the Julian Clary to my Julian Alaphilippe, Stephen Bowie. Hi. Very good. <laughs> Very Sorry, good. I was trying I, to be Julian Clary. I can be more camp than that. He's, he's wonderful, isn't he? Um, oh, yeah. you're, you're, you two are wonderful. I am. I'm, I'm the Battenberg to my Battenberg. <laughs> you could also be the the. Come on, we're going to get on with Nicholas Roche to your Ferrero Rocher. I could be, but not this week. Uh, yeah. uh, we'll come back to the the cake and chocolate theme. I'm Graham Wolgos, and well, this is this is episode seven, nine, nine yeah. not seven. <laughs> Where have you been for two of them? We don't know. Uh, what have we been doing this week, chaps? Steam, you're back. Yes, welcome back. Yeah, it's been a long, long old journey. I was on a ferry. That's always journey, a delight on a uh, delight on a. Did you sleep next to your bike, or how did you? No, I, I, unlike you, I don't have. I'm not paranoid about uh, security. <laughs> Why was it a long journey? Did you get the wrong ferry? Well, that does sound like something I would do, but it was just I decided to uh, have to get the overnight. And um, how many know. times did you change your clothing while you were out there? Well, I'm not prepared to answer that. For probably <laughs> not as, as fewer than I'm, it would normally I'm be acceptable. Pre- well, fewer it? than I'm prepared to admit. Okay. Um, but that's okay. It's What's the ratio? To Days to clothes, clothes changes, oh, outfit changes between naught and one. Um, <laughs> but obviously, that's expected. And um, by who? Oh, by, you know, just seasoned travellers. I mean, look, I've gone... You say by sleaze and travellers. <laughs> no, by seasoned travellers. Oh, C-O-C. Sorry. I mean, it's That's not different. been... I, You know, what well, I mean, do, do you have a record for the most number of times you've worn a shirt to work in a row? Because mine is four. <laughs> <laughs> that is not fresh. No. <laughs> Your poor colleagues. Yes. <laughs> are you still in... Are you still employed in that particular job? Wearing it now. <laughs> yeah, yes, this is day four. Uh, David, save us. What have you been doing? <laughs> Um, changing my shirt every day, yes. which is uh, you know a bonus. A relief. Um, I've been doing some indoor cycling. Ooh, as part of my. Yeah, one of us has been on the bike. The right. Are any of us ever going to ride a bike outside? I am. I mean, I do. I commute every day on the bike. So. You are. I am. Yeah. When you've when you've 
I'm going to house hunting going. Kind of like that. <laughs> Once you've moved to Richmond. Yeah. 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 Uh, we, we, we can dream. So I'll be doing some indoor cycling. And uh, a thing that I mentioned last uh, week to both of you, I think, um, not on the podcast, is that uh, what I've noticed is that my threshold If, heart if rate, this is going to be another Thomas to Gen joke. No, it's, 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 it's so bad. Not. Although I was thinking <laughs> the, the about... The great lead-in to another Thomas to... <laughs> I was uh, genuinely thinking, how can I get snooker It wasn't a break. Because <laughs> Thomas to Gen wasn't in it. <laughs> Shut up, David. <laughs> Uh, no, so um, it's, it's more serious than that. In, in, um, so we all know what, really roughly more, what more our, our than that, so yeah, possibly more boring serious. than that as well. Um, we all know roughly what our threshold heart rate is. Oh, I have no sure. idea. Genuinely, you have no idea. Nope. All right. So mine was. I go on feel, and it feels horrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Mine was about one well, second. I can still feel my heart rate, so that's in, that's mm. a good and, that's a good sign. And in the last year and a half, it's come down by seven or eight. Maybe up to ten beats a minute. Well, that is interesting, isn't yeah. the whole story? No, but the the point. And so I was looking into this, and apparently it's quite common when you're switching from uh, more um, fast twitch muscle based sports to more endurance related activity. And what happens is the your left ventricle actually changes shape. Your heart changes shape and thickens as you uh, as you do uh, change which sports you do. Amazingly adaptable, the human body, isn't it? So even to the extent that a um, a very fit swimmer will have a noticeably different heart to an equally fit runner. Because uh, the heart knows that it doesn't have to deal with gravity. And so the lining of the uh, wall of the left ventricle will actually be less thick in the swimmer. That's amazing. Yeah. It's like well, the well, heart's well, got a mind well. of its own. It just wants what it wants, doesn't it? Well, it actually is trying, it's try, it's trying <laughs> to do... Stephen romanticising it for us. It's actually trying to the do as little wants, work... Steve, does it? It's trying to do as little work as it possibly can. It's actually trying to be as efficient as it possibly can. And that's why it doesn't bother to get thicker when you're a swimmer, essentially. But when you're running, you're having to pump it up a whole body. And that's why uh, tall people are actually more likely to have heart attacks than short people, because they're having to do more work. Or bad luck if you're over six foot two. Yeah, so, so the Connor, what's Connor done, isn't it? He's like uh, six foot seven or something, isn't he? The tallest guy in the peloton. He's mm. more likely to have a heart attack than... Scientifically. Scientifically yeah. more likely to have a heart attack than... So, after, after Steve tried to go down a romantic road, thank Tana. you for boiling that back down <laughs> to the, the, uh, well, no, the most rudimentary science. Most likely to cause um, a heart attack in cycling. Or indeed any uh, drug-related um, sports. Um, because... So Steve keeps putting a beer down, which is yeah. what you oh, keep my, my apologies, my apologies. <laughs> uh, do you know why I put that down so aggressively? Because I was just about to say drunk. something about drugs. Because <laughs> no, no. Uh, there's... I don't think... It's, I think I can get away with saying, with relating that story that perhaps some people know that most people won't, which is that there were many reports in the 90s that really, the truly nadir of cycling and indeed... Um, I'm sure many other sports. And indeed, bicycle riding. Yeah. 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 These have, um, to be clear though, these have since been somewhat... I'm not even going to name names. It was yeah. just so, it was, it's not in doubt this happened. Uh, there are many, many stories of um, people in at midnight in hotels who were awakened to find um, an entire squad of, of cyclists running around the corridors in the dead of night. Um, and the explanation was that they'd taken so much EPO that they had to set an alarm to get themselves up, do some exercise to keep their heart pumping because their blood was otherwise so thick Too that thick. they would have died yeah. in their sleep. Um, so they were press ups at press ups at three in the morning. Yep. Thing. Yeah. Um, would you like to know what I've been doing this week? Not putting beers down on the yes. table. That's what I've <laughs> yeah. been doing. 
Lord Winston again has caught my attention after. Uh... So let, I mean, let's uh, let's set a bit of context because you know we have um, get controversial. Well, no, we also have listeners outside of the UK who might not know who uh, Lord um, Professor Professor Robert Winston um, is, and the once great man now shamed by his every time he forages into cycling opinion. Go on, David. Give us the give us the skinny. Well, I mean, ultimately, he has done as much for children and the health and development of children in in the UK as uh, anyone in history, really. Mm. And um, subsequently became uh, a bit of a famous television personality over here for a series called Child of Our Times and uh, a few other programs where he, you know, uses expertise to explain how children develop. Um, he's uh, in many ways up to recently was sort of one of our kind of sacred cows. And we're like taking kind it upon of ourselves to... Uh, David Attenborough kind of... Reputation. Yeah. So stay tuned, everyone. Yeah. And no, he, uh, but he's not covered himself in glory in the last week, it's fair to say. And, and Graham, you're, um, you're a big fan these days, aren't you? I'm really not. He's, like you say, he is a proper national treasure. But, I mean, he's kind of given a credibility pass on this because he's a lord and because of his... Hmm. His scientific so qualification. What, what did he say happened? Well, he's demanding license plates for cyclists, right? And in or, the first or and, and yeah, and, and now he's demanding. Um, Ignoring the, the aerodynamic, you know. Yes. Did <laughs> <laughs> he say license plates? Or did he say no, electronic no, tags? He, no, no. The, the, latterly, he said electronic tags right. because license plates are impractical. Um, but then again, so but where did, where does it where does it? End? I mean, there are there are a million holes in this. But to support, I'm uh, talking of a million holes. To support his demands, he has, I mean, I'm going to read the story. I'm going to give you an idea of the story and you can decide whether or not he is, um, whether it whether it holds any water. Um, so this is, this is on the front page of the Times at the end of March as well. And it's the, again, the headline is peer demands license plates for cyclists after street attack. So he's claiming he's been attacked on the street by a cyclist. Did it specify what street? No, it's it, so he, he, he didn't he specify in, what street. He reckons he was in Bloom, so he walked through Bloomsbury. Says the, the front page of the Times from March the twenty ninth, right? Written by David Brown, chief news correspondent, who has apparently given this this story absolutely zero critical thinking whatsoever. Because if you were the most recognisable person in the House of Lords, if you're famous for what you've done for for uh, in terms of your IVF research and development, and to be if, so if you've got this one as well, he's got. A, a well-known tash. If, so yes, really if, you've got, if you've got this yeah. very recognisable face and yeah. you've been on television a million times. Yeah. Bloomsbury, home of the British Museum, one of the yes. most touristy so parts of yeah, London. Yeah, exactly, yeah. one of the most daylight. touristy parts of London in daylight. Do you think there might be some CCTV evidence? Do you think there might be some dash cam evidence from passing taxis or private some private vehicles? tourist photographs. Do you think, yeah, some tourist photographs. How many, how many times do you see it where someone just pulls out a phone to photograph anything? And... Um, let alone the most recognisable person in the House of Lords being attacked. To me, you know, well, they're, they're the facts, so we, we won't go any further into, no, no, into no. how questionable that story <laughs> is. Um, but but they, are, they are the facts. So, you know, decide for yourself at home we, we, whether or not that holds any water. If anyone was, was kicked repeatedly by a cyclist, which is what he, he claims, then there would easily be some evidence. So, and, and apparently, one last thing, apparently he says the Met would not be interested in uh, in pursuing it. Are you kidding me? Well, he's, a, he's a member of the House, you're a member of the House of Lords, aren't you, mate? So to clarify, he was in broad daylight in the middle of London. Say that again, start to clarify again. So, so to clarify, 
he was in the in the middle of London in broad daylight, and he claims he suffered a prolonged attack, not just a quick contretemps of exchange of words, but that he was kicked repeatedly by so, by what by who? So I, I'll read you the I'll read you the quotes from the story. Lord Winston, seventy eight, said the woman repeatedly kicked him after he remonstrated with her for speeding past as he walked through Bloomsbury, central London. I went up to her, he says, and told this is so this is a quote. I went up to her and told her very politely that it was against the law to cycle on the pavement and it was dangerous. Now what's wrong with that sentence? Politely. Is it is it <laughs> is it against the law to cycle on the pavement? Absolutely not. Absolutely not, thank you. So there you are. You don't I mean you have to get three paragraphs down into this story before mm. it's I mean you know, I know times are tight at News UK, but are you employing subeditors anymore? <laughs> Come on, boys. Feel free to check. So the, the, this is on the front page of the Times. This is unbelievable um, in, in many senses. So I thought she would apologise and walk off, but she became very aggressive and she was swearing. She snatched the telephone out of my hand and then threw it into the road. She then kicked me repeatedly. So if this had all happened, surely there is some evidence somewhere that it happened. But it's not. He's given, there's not, or none has come to light as yet. He's given a credibility pass because of who he is. And so old David Brown, chief news correspondent of the Times, has swallowed this verbatim. And then it's, you know, you have to go through several levels to be able to get on the front page of the Times. If only the professor had had his uh, brother Ray there to protect him. Ray Winston, indeed. So thank you for bringing that down to a a sort of slightly more jovial uh, (laughs) level. Because as you can tell, it's really, you know. This stuff is just—it's crazy. And 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 since this story has been on the front page of the Times, he's then given a platform on on national television to do it on daytime talk show. Was it on and then the problem and then is today, it's, like, it's opened a debate that shouldn't that what, shouldn't what exist really, on? which is was it on uh, this morning. Yeah, it was on this oh, morning. Well, there you go. Um, it's opened up a debate that that only really I think exists in this country, which is whether cyclists should be given more space or. You know, it's almost should cyclists exist in <laughs> but it's, because there are plenty of people, plenty of drivers who still think they shouldn't, and it's really depressing to be honest. And um, you know, another proper national treasure, um, Chris Boardman, um, who we've waxed lyrical about in the past because he is a legitimate national yeah, treasure. Yeah, has, has has obviously come out very strongly against. He's his, even better than national Trevor. and on national Trevor. Now a national Trevor. I can't think of um, national yeah. Trevor. No, Trevor Brooking. McDonald. <laughs> <laughs> Trevor and Simon. Um, <laughs> however, he's an unheralded, um, genuinely. <laughs> Intelligent yeah. man, and that is a very, and that is a huge. Such an unheralded, <laughs> genuinely, possibly intelligent. Man. Yes, but if you understand, that's such a rarity because he's now a quick pricey of, of Bourbon's career. Obviously, yeah, he, not only did he block me on Twitter, he blocked David on Twitter, but, <laughs> yeah. but no, subsequently unblocked me. Life. To be fair, yeah, it's all the errors. Yeah. Why did he block you? I still to this day I don't know, and it really well, upset you, me you, at this moment. It, it did because you love Boardman, yeah, yeah, massively. I'm damn gutted. Now we're friends again. Yeah, to preview his career, obviously he started out um, with an Olympic gold medal in 1992, one of the five we won that, that Olympics. Which I think it's fair to say got both me and you into cycling. Steve. Yes, well, we're, uh, well, riding his very famous bike, which was touted in the papers as, as being astonishingly expensive. No, no. Oh, no, washing was, machines I'm going to come to that, actually, because that's a massive misconception as well. I need yeah. to clear that up. Um, 
<laughs> he was riding his famous Lotus bike, which was putting the world to rights. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've seen the Lotus bike in the design museum. It's actually, the world, so it doesn't really work. Damn it! Mm. Carry yeah. on. Well, I've seen actually, I've seen it in the design museum. I've seen a variant of it at a time trial. It looks a bit ropey nowadays with the bearings and hubs, anyway. But um, the the frame was obviously very radical for the time. I remember a Daily Mirror headline exclaiming how it cost three thousand pounds. Yeah. <laughs> but also, it looks really stiff, doesn't it? It looks stiff well, it looks very exotic yeah. it yeah. must be said that today those sorts of bikes are banned by the uci for cycling but they're not banned in triathlon and that's where you get some very exotic yeah, designs yeah, yeah. these days there's rumors that the uci will eventually be pressured to relax some of those laws well they've had relaxed them a bit this year which is why yes, the frame shapes have discussion. changed yeah. Yeah. anyway boardman olympic gold medal by so much that he lapped um his german competitor in the 4000 meters pursuit final long before the finish it was a very dominant display. He held the world record for the 4,000 metres pursuit for going on 20 years before it was finally beaten by Jack Bobridge of Australia. And you, almost uniquely for a cyclist in the 90s, has no heat on him about doping whatsoever. Well, this is he? the thing, because obviously he then, uh, before he became a, a road professional for, for Credit Agricole, um, sorry, GAN originally, which then mm, became yeah, Credit yeah. Agricole, um, he famously, I'm sure everyone will know, exchanged World Hour records with Graham O'Brien, um, and was as famous for his technological and, um, and pushing the boundaries of aerodynamics and understanding as much as for his athletic ability. But what has always stuck with me, and I know you two actually, is that um, one very well-known guy in in, in pro cycling t- um, circles. Um, Christophe Bassons, the chap who was told to go home from the Tour de France by Lance Armstrong, who took it upon himself to cycle up and say, no one wants you here, you need to leave. Because he had spoken out about doping and broken the emergency. He had a column in Le Keep, didn't he? Yes. Mm. Um, he was a whistleblower, and indeed he did go home. Uh, but he said, famously, relatively, that uh, Boardman was the only, and I'm going to stress the word only, um, professional that he had any experience with or roomed with or spent any time around who he didn't see or know of uh, doping. Hmm. Which is amazing. And if that is true... It means that, you know, Boardman basically... Well, Bourbon was his doping very secret. Two yellow jerseys in the Just 90s. Just clarified it. Is that a joke? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Bourbon won two yellow jerseys in the 90s. He set a record for the fastest ever stage of the Tour de France in a prologue. Yeah. Um, it still stand. No, it was Breton recently, it was wasn't be- it? It was, it was Breton, yes. 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 Um, Bourbon's a hero. I'm going to bring it back very briefly to Winston, and then we'll move on. Mm. So the credibility of his story aside, uh, what he's asking for, tagging cyclists... Uh, electronically or with a number plate. I mean, where does that? Where does it start? Where does it end? Do you tag a three-year-old on a trike? Do you do you tag someone who's uh, a fifteen-year-old? Uh, or so why, why would you put up barriers to a more environmentally friendly, uh, more healthy way of travelling? Why would you, why would you put up more barriers to that? It doesn't make any sense. Um, and I do think that after more a economical period of reflection, that maybe. The well, good professor and other people who are, are as, as speaking Bowman wrongly about this much as the mind. That's why it's so frustrating because he's he's clearly a bright guy. How you can be so fundamentally wrong on so many levels about this is uh, is beyond my comprehension. 
Well, actually, I'm just going to quickly bring it back to Borman, because um, when we started this podcast, he was such a hero of mine. I said I'm going to herald him every week, and I haven't done that. <laughs> so actually, this is going to be the start of my heralding of Chris Borman. So I've just quickly summarised his athletic achievements, but mm. I'm actually going to go on about uh, at length about his um, uh, his extreme credibility, actually, because of his... Um, achievements and work after since he's retired cycling and he is a very very sensible guy and he's our effective go-to for any sensible opinion as far as um the sort of cycling versus debate yeah, and and uh, so re- recreational and, and and commuting rather than you know what he was famous for which was for obviously being an extremely successful sportsman so um, talking about recreational cycling i'm planning a journey when well, no, i'm planning a journey in may now uh, in uh, uh, in the uk i'm going to ride up to hard knot pass and Did take he... that on and come back all right um, Isn't from that one i was supposed to be um, everesting after the one near Harnock it's one of it's one of the options so i'm going to ride it see what you think i'm going to go and wreck it for you i'm going to go and wreck it so i'm going to i'm going to ride more. I've, been, I've been looking up routes whether i should go through the peak district or even like take in like sheffield or whether i should go further up uh, east and then across um and, and do it in kind of three days but what i was looking at was all the national um cycle routes mm. and so there's a national cycle route six which goes from milton Keynes, i think up up north and what I found is that these national cycle routes are really abundant and heralded, but a lot of the time you can't ride road bikes on them. Why? Because uh, the ground is crap, basically, <laughs> and they keep, and people keep put and local sure councils. I don't understand. There are so- national cycling route labelled yep. as such. Yes, and you can't but if ride you, a bike. If on you follow it, mm. uh, and you're on a road bike. You're going to come to a very sticky, wet, and muddy end. Essentially, is it like one of those things where you devolve from a main road into a small, a B road? And we've all done it, yeah. And a a country path, and then you find yourself in the middle of a field in the Arenberg Trench, essentially, but in the trench bit rather than on the cobbles. There are no cobbles in this situation, Um, so I may have to end up doing a few. uh, This is very illegal journeys on (laughs) on French motorways, which which we've never done. We've never done twice, actually. Never done on the way to Perpignan, and we've never done around the uh, the Nice sort of mm. circular. What was that motorway I was riding down with you, and I smashed into a traffic code? Oh gosh, it wasn't a motorway. It was an it, oh, was, an a, it was an A road. Oh no, it was a motorway. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, we did accidentally ride on a motorway. That was back from Oxford. So that oh, would have yeah. been the A. God, this is good. This is lovely. This is like B road at Robbie Coltrane, isn't it? This is really it was the bad. <laughs> it was the M40, I think. Yeah. And what did you hear? What did you notice? I about? noticed a traffic cone, and you didn't. Yes, and no, I, I was you, behind I you and you, you swung died. out the way, so I had no choice but to plough straight into the middle of it and was forced out into the motorway itself. <laughs> and, and David came to a stop, and um, he he took I he, he, I managed somehow I don't know how to stay upright and get off the motorway. And but what I noticed, I had the presence of mind to see that David came to a very slow stop and not look round for a conspicuous <laughs> amount of time until I came up to him. And he looked round very slowly. And what did you say afterwards? Well, I don't know. I can't remember word for word. I, I thought you might have died, essentially. Well, you no, you said I, I was so convinced after hearing that noise and having put two and two together of what had happened. 
that I was convinced when I looked round, I'd see you splattered all over the yeah. road. <laughs> <laughs> and a lorry driver with his head in his hands, yeah. So actually, on reflection, maybe Professor Robert Winston is right, because if there are idiots like us riding bikes, then maybe maybe everyone should have a licence. Mm. Yeah. Well, so we talk that, about mate? people who are good at riding bikes. Yeah, yeah, we should, but we're going to talk about them in part two. Mm. That's the end of part one. Join us, uh, join us in part two. Well, yeah, sh- they should. They. You. <laughs> Right, boys, bit of a bumper part one there. Um, part two, this week's racing, which has been very exciting. It's been a very exciting yeah, season there, there already. Was a, there was a race that I was at and that I called last week the Tour de Flanders. Yeah. The Tour of Flanders. <laughs> let's start. Let's, let's, I love, lovely one to start with. Well, first of all, can we talk about um, the UK's only pundit who, even as a dark horse, picked a winner, uh, which is me. Um, you picked, Be- you I picked Betiel. Betiel was my dark horse. Was that you? Yeah. yeah. I, think I, I think I mentioned him. No, I said Betiel because I was backing EF again because uh, it worked for me last time with uh, Simon mm. Clark. Well, I've fallen on kudos. the wrong side of the Peter Because that is on record as yeah, far, yeah. so there's no question. <laughs> you did. You did. Um, back in that tour where Sagan won all sorts of stages and stages that he had no right to win, mm. and I was doing a... Um, fantasy cycling league yep. and I just thought oh, I'm not going to select Sagan this stage and I'm not going to select him this stage and he kept winning even on like medium mountain stages well, this is ridiculous surely he's not going to win tomorrow there's like two second category and, and one first category line, and he still managed to win it and I thought I, oh I'm getting absolutely killed and then eventually after like eight stages I put him in but I really lost at that point so the equivalent here is that I keep going for Sagan because I'm convinced <laughs> that if I don't, he's going to win. However, it appears that he doesn't have exactly the right the form he would wish at the moment, perhaps because he's been ill. But the other thing is, we appear to be chaps in almost an unprecedented um, moving forwards. In, in if I can use such a clumsy phrase, in terms of a changing a, of the guard, an entire raft of extraordinary talent yeah, come through, absolutely. and no more so. We've talked about Remco Ivanipol, we've mm. talked about Taj Chajan Podjakar. It's easy for or, you to or say. Something. Yeah. <laughs> um, we've talked it's, it's about Tade Podjakar. Yeah, sorry, my apologies, Tade. And um, you know, all sorts. We've been. This has been a reoccurring theme. And for me, let's see what Ivanipol does. But. Um, Van der Poel, who we mentioned briefly last week, his performance at Flanders on Sunday was truly terrifyingly good. So give it five seconds, what happened? Uh, well, he crashed um, on the pavement. He was almost a minute down. He crashed because he tried to bunny hop some road mm. furniture and his wheel buckled to the point where, and you could see, he was sort of saying to the rider next to him, give me some space here because I'm not in control of my bike, and then just went head first yeah. over the handlebars, and it looked like he'd snapped his clavicle when he yeah, went down, because he's holding his arm like he'd done that. And then he managed to get back on, chase up to the the lead group. But on his own, he and then, carried himself and uh, five others who had no interest in... in and then in, he started attacking. Yeah, yeah, he got he right to the front, the front. And, and yeah, finished fourth overall. And rightly so, your your sport colleagues, rightly so, really? were, were were basically going, "Well, his race is dead," because he was holding his arm 
he was miles back and, and it looked like his race was over. And so then, we're talking about Matthew, Matthew van der Poel, by the way. Yeah. Yes. yes. He was 48 seconds back and he was leading a group of chasers on his own and no one else wanted to work with him. And he was flogging himself to death. Then one the um, climb that preceded the Eau de Quermont came up. Hmm. And all of a sudden, because everything, the race became stronger, he managed to make contact again. He did an astonishing climb. I'd love to see the statistics for that, perhaps we can work them out. And afterwards, he just appeared right back at the head of the race again. And for the life of anyone, we couldn't work out how he'd managed to have the strength to do that because he was had his nose in the wind for many a kilometre before that, chasing back on. And then he was able to go and be one of the main instigators of, of the front group and then the chase. Um, and fin- still had enough strength at the end to finish to finish third in the sprint at the end. Sorry, and second in the sprint. Second in the end. sprint and fourth overall, yeah, just behind Christoph in the sprint. So, so, so Betiel, Betiel won it for education first and, and impressively so, but it was like, so he went off the front and established himself with like 15 seconds with about 13 kilometres to go. And it must have been the most painful 13 kilometres. No, I think it was, it was actually, to be fair, it was, it was longer than even that because he attacked on, well, he attacked on Quaymont, Paterberg, and he attacked before that. So you saw him coming past you on the Paterberg. And at I the base stationed of that, myself had, what, on the Paterberg seconds? because, yeah. as I mentioned last week, it's often the, the climb that sets up the final victory. But he, he held it all the way to the finish line with about the most impressive chasing pack going. So you had Steven in there, Peter Sagan, uh, Oli Narsen, Van der Poel, Bobby Ungles, Wout van Aert, Michael Matthews in there as well. We know, we know he's yeah. got some serious power. Um, obviously, Valverde was in there. Yeah. Um, and GVA. Yeah. Um, and uh, Asperg... Uh, <laughs> As, as Green, sorry, who uh, finished and second Ingles. in the end. And now, Alexander Kristoff, who finished third. Yeah. You say that, but this is the point. It was a strong group, and that it was its downfall. Because, actually, this showcased um, something a lot of people coming to cycling don't always understand, which is how can one person hold off a group like that? And when he attacked, he must have looked around and felt, there's not many chaps here with teammates. Um, and Significantly, he did have a teammate though, and Langveld uh, did a Langveld. very, very good job of making sure that he marked every attack. Sorry, I know you're about to say it. So well, the, the point is, he was able to stay away holding off that much talent because of the old, old story of no one wanting to actually sacrifice themselves in order to chase. That's exactly right. No one was interested. It was like they gave up collectively as a group because no one wanted to sacrifice themselves. No one wanted to give their race to anyone else. But, I, think know, it, I think it was actually, beyond that, I think it was kind of cowardly, kind of pusillanimous, well, actually, kind of really I said to you, I was commenting on this to you, that actually Betiel was very canny to see that how few teammates there were for anyone else. And to attack because he knew that oftentimes that's a classic situation in cycling history where no one will want to sacrifice their own chances. And you could see Sagan shrugging. You could see Christoph at one point saying, essentially, F that because I'm not... When they had these kind of attacks off the front where then they just, you know, would would very quickly sit up as soon as they saw there were two people on their tail. It shows old um, CCC as well. I mentioned GVA, Greg Mm. Greg Van Avermaet. It shows... His results this year, they have spent a lot of their budget on him Mm. and the quality around him isn't quite there, which means he has to do a lot of this stuff on his own, which I think has then translated into... Well, this time last year, you've had Rohan Dennis, basically, or someone like that. To to drag him to the place where he could then attack from. But he's having to do a lot of that stuff either. He's having to surf and find a a wheel to get on Mm. 
but this or is having to work himself. I said to you, David, earlier today, um, there weren't, there wasn't anyone there except um, Langeveld for EF Education First, who, you know, had a teammate, and and Langeveld did a brilliant job of blocking, especially when they turned onto the Paterberg. He he put himself <laughs> right in the way of everyone else, which is allowed. He took the corner um, incredibly. He went to the front and then took the slowest right hand turn yeah, you've ever seen a cyclist take. It was, it was um, fantastic. However. You mentioned that Quickstep had Youngles and Asgreen. Mm. Uh, well, which is extraordinary then, because in a complete, you know, abdication of, of kind of responsibility, then they chose not. And we've seen how strong they are. Graham, you mentioned the unbelievable statistic, which I think well, is unique in cycling history. It's so it's to get this right because since we talked about it, I've looked it up. Yeah. So Quickstep have won. They, they won today in, at Shelderpreis with Fabio Jakobsen to take nine of the past 12 major one-day events in Belgium. That's incredible. Um, well, it really Yves Lampère was uh, there at the end. Stoyven um, dropped earlier. Right, so essentially they had two... They could have chosen one guy. Um, and a really strong guy. That's the and they Belgian could have put two guys the, on the front, or at least one Luxembourg guy. And national champion. They could have put one guy on the front and had two to do the old yeah. rope a dope one, one attack, the other, then get caught, then the other go. To be, to be fair to them, I guess, and I know I said earlier that it was, it was relatively cowardly, that the problem was that they had Matthews in that group and they had Sagan in that group and Christoph. Yeah. And if you do the work that results in a sprint because they were just You're handing on. it to one of those You're guys. handing it to one of those three. But then They're going to how, what was their tactic? It was for Asquin to evidently to go and hope. Yeah, and it was too late by that point. Yeah. So I'm going to move on, boys, because we've got a lot of racing to talk about. So Shell Priest I mentioned there with Fabio Jakobsen for De Koenig Quickstep, defending his title from last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Sprinters Classic... Of course, yeah. Shelder Priest. There are a lot of sprinters classics, aren't there? Harry Tour is. Well, Shelder, yeah, Priest, yeah. Shelder Priest is sort of the unofficial yeah, Sprinters yeah. World Championship, mm-hmm. so isn't it? No, it's uh, Harry Tour. No, it's not. I guarantee I, I Socks. go to my grave. Socks. How are we going to prove that? You are Sean Kelly. Fine. Fine, then. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we talk uh, about how you killed a cyclist earlier this week for Socks? Did I? Oh, yeah. I did, yes. Yeah. I doomed. I put a man to his death. Not, not any cyclist, but a former winner of the Vuelta. Um, so De Koenig cleaning up, and they've been, well, they've got one stage, thanks to their, their most likely victor at the Tour of the Basque Country. Um, we mentioned him at the top of the show, yeah. uh, <laughs> Julian Alaphilippe, sprinting, sprint, uh, lots, lots of uphill finishes at the Tour of the Basque Country, which is very pleasing. Everyone likes a, a slow motion sprint. And he would have won again today. He would have won again today, had he not crashed six kilometres out, went down quite hard after a touch of wheels uh, with Enrique Mass. Mm. Uh, so he's, 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 by the sounds of things, a bit banged up, um, but we, we think he will carry on tomorrow. Um, so Matt Shackman took his second stage win. Having won on a... One, it's the only time, really, that time trials are worth watching, to be honest, in, in my view. Well, the uphill. Is, is, well, proper, it's when, when they put a climb, a time proper climb yeah. uh, in the middle of it, and you know some riders choose to switch bikes. It's a little bit like in Formula One, where you have a, a three- or a four-stop strategy, and, and, and people are doing different things. Mm. And in this case... Where, where do we stand on changing your bike halfway through a time trial totally, from a road bike to... Uh, sorry, from a TT bike to a road bike? It's totally legitimate because it takes up time. And so you've, and you've then got to accelerate. It takes more power to then accelerate. So if you make the, make the calculation that it uh, ultimately saves you time, then I, I, think, I think it's legitimate, personally, because 
you're allowed to swap bikes. I just the race think otherwise. it cuts your momentum. I think you, it's so easy to get wrong that I. That said, I have you ever tried riding a time trial bike up 25? Yeah, fair. <laughs> Maybe it's some of the gradients yeah. you're talking about with the Basque. Well, this country. was a, in this particular time trial. It was so uh, so tough that what, what would we say? George Bennett's one of the top 20 climbers in the world at the Easily. moment. Easily, and he's also we we as we like to say one of our favourites, isn't Absolutely, he? For, yeah. for a lot of reasons. Yeah. Uh, and he was forced off his bike because he, uh, you know, he either got the gearing wrong or. or was well, just if, I mean, that's what I must look like going up some gradients. It's a much, much lesser gradient than that. Reviews, don't you? you look like George Bennett when you're well, <laughs> a fat George Bennett, maybe. Um, stage one, as as we say, um, won by Max Shackman from from Bora, who's had an incredibly impressive season with his breakaway win as well at. Um, uh, the Tour of Catalonia. As it stands, he's 33 seconds ahead, I think, um, on GC. Which, yeah, he's um, put some serious time, there's, there's some proper climbs in this race. So um, who else finished in the top 10 on stage one, which might have made you raise an eyebrow and look forward to the Grand, well, the Tour de France uh, with... Yeah, G. G. Yeah. Garen Thomas in the top 10. Although that's sad, he, he had a bad stage today, but I mm. may have been caught up behind the crash. Sure that's important for him. Uh, I'm going to come back to Mathieu van der Poel because uh, he won his fourth stage of the year, fourth race of the year today. Um, today, and good. We were at, in fact, we were wrong last week when we said um, that he had won his his first ever professional victory because obviously he's the Dutch national champion in the, in the uh, road race. And he's actually won four stages this year already. Um, he's a Dutch road race national champion. Yes, that would be that jersey he was wearing. It. Are you sure it's not for... Because you can wear a jersey for... No, he's the Dutch national road race champion. You don't get to wear that jersey on the road unless you're the champion. Okay. Um, he won... Uh, he, sorry, he won a stage of the um, of Lasarth. Um, on Tuesday, uh, he won the GP de, de, de Nain. He won Dwarves Door of London. Dwarves Door of Good. Well, I mean, uh, just, yeah. uh, I'm not going to correct you, actually. You just carry on. And he won a stage last year in his uh, debut season in at the uh, Tour of An Anatolia in Turkey. So, um, what is even more amazing is that after doing Amstel Gold in a couple of weeks on April 21st, he's going to go back to um, having come from cyclocross and regularly beating Wout Wernert, um, except in the World Championships. He would he would regularly trounce Wernert in, in a lot most of the World Cup events. Um, he's going to go back to uh, the mountain mountain biking and do the World Cup and Mountain Bike World Championships in September in Canada. And he says it's all part of the big roadmap for him to dominate world cycling. And he's going to go through to the Olympics and do the mountain bike, and then he's going to concentrate on the road after that. So, but the sad thing for um, you know cycling fans is uh, he's not going to be at the race which we'll be talking about very soon, which is Paris Roubaix this weekend, mm. and uh, we won't Reason see him why? again this because his team is too not small, been invited, <laughs> yeah, essentially. Um, and which actually brings on to another question: uh, he is obviously going to be much sought after next season. Mm. Who's going to buy him? Because well, he's no going to cost all the money. Contract to 2022, that, that, yeah, and that he won't be doing road cycling that, next year. He's going to do nothing. He's going to do mountain biking. At but that doesn't mean that he won't join a different uh, road race team next year. Well, whoever has the biggest budget, just because he's an amazing talent. 
So you think that Sky will sign? Well, so Ineos will sign him. No, I, I don't think that. Anyway, so so we, not who's got the best position. So who do you think would be the most suitable team? A Belgian Matthew team. Matthew Van. So who? Quick step. I think quick well, step. But they, why? Why would they go for him? He's Belgian. Well, I thought you just said he was Dutch. What? He is Dutch. Yes. <laughs> Shut up. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> I conflate the two. Yeah. yeah. You know. um, don't in don't give me attitude. You've got to stand there and take it. I'm sorry. He said, <laughs> I said, he's the Dutch National Road Race Championship. Graham went immediately to his phone. You said, short, short. Is he allowed to wear it for some other reason? Um, so, so, yeah. No attitude from you two. Yes. Um, so, who's he going to ride for then? I don't give know. I'm not, I'm not Mystic pig. Hmm. Um, so, um, yeah. Harry Bay, who's going to win? You said Taylor Finney. He's definitely not going to win. I've had a Oh, you fancy Taylor Finney, don't you? So he's gone from 100 to 1 to 40 to 1, oh, is that based right? Based on yeah, David tipping him. Based on David tipping him widely. David's influential in betting circles. What I'd he? say is that he, I, I, I would choose him as my dark horse on the, base, on the basis that he finished, I think, 8th last year. He wants to tell the story about his leg. He's, and he's... Um, He's riding for a team that's been very successful this year. And Steve wants to tell the story. Uh, Steve oh, tells the story about, his leg. story about him. I know the story about his leg being utterly mashed in the US uh, National Championship. Um, that's actually a really interesting story, isn't it? Because uh, Taylor Finney's crash, because it was quite gruesome. But he had a he was in the US Cycling Championships at Chattanooga in Tennessee um, in... 2014. Uh, 2014. Um, he was on a descent, um, and a chap called, in fact, a friend called Lucas um, User. So User said, "I tried to." Um, he was following a motorcycle, and he said, "I tried to lay it down as much as I could to the left, but I saw the bike slide out from under me and just stopped under the guardrail." Said Finney, "I was going at 53 or 54 miles an hour um, to a dead stop in under a second. Um, and as it turns out, steel is stronger than my tibia. In fact, his tibia shattered, his body crumpled, and somehow right behind him, his friend um, Yusa walked away from his own crash. And he said, I just remember Taylor screaming, and I remember getting to him as fast as I could and seeing his injuries. When I got him, he was to him, he was screaming and also trying to crawl out from underneath the barrier. And so I was just trying to keep him calm. When he stopped, he was sitting there with me on the ground I was like dude just go back to the race I'll be fine said Finney but at the, t- <laughs> but at the same time I was like screaming uh, Yusa stayed with him until the ambulance got there um, never left his side um, David you're going to put a picture of his injuries and recovery on Instagram it's quite something and where can you on. see it David <laughs> yes at top two podcast on Instagram he said I had an open compound fracture of my tibia which was dot 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 sticking out uh, to help the healing, they stuck a nail down through my knee. They also severed my patella tendon, cut off a centimetre of my patella. Uh, and now he's back. Um, he's won races since. Um, and David, he's your favourite for Paris. He's your dark no, horse. I have not no. called him my favourite. He's your favorite dark horse. Player, he's, he's Who's your favourite, David? I, again, am going to go for Wout Van Aert um, because uh, Matthew Van Der Poel isn't racing. Otherwise, I'd go for him. Yeah. Um, Steve? But uh, uh, well, Paris Bay is going to be a race for their big strong chaps um, it's a very odd race though because you never know after that much punishment what's going to happen quickly then why, the why is it 
why is it so different in terms of the profile of who's likely to win to uh, Tour of Flanders? It's very sapping, and there's many stories that people like Roger Hammond, for example, a former British pro, a former British cyclocross champion, and now head of his own uh, pro continental He's got team. an incredibly impressive record at Roubaix. Mm. Yeah, no, he finished third, and he's a very short kind of guy. He never had success in any... He's a small guy. He never had success sort of bucking the trend of six foot four or five guys like Magnus Backstead who weighed weighed over ninety he weighed almost ninety five kilos when he won. Magnus Backstead who famously had to ride a reinforced bike. Yeah. Um otherwise he would break it. Um and Hammond reported that he was coming into the velodrome and in position he was quite, he fancied himself in a sprint. And he got out of the saddle to start his sprint on the last lap. And suddenly he realised that his his legs just weren't there, and, and it, until that moment he hadn't noticed. Um, they just went after all that. So is it is it because of the long the length of the cobbled sections? It's more sapping than the kind of short climbs that you would find in Tour of Flanders. Why why is it that this requires heavier what? riders? Is it just because there's less climbing? What is it? It's two hundred and fifty odd kilometres. The cobbles are uniquely draining. I mean, we say I said last week I was on one of the slower sections on the cobbles. Now, if I had any sense at the time, I would have just stood on a climb, but it was there and there was a lot of flags waving. And I was, as I said, I was looking for some good photographs. However, um, even though that's that's slower slower than than a good tarmac road section, they are still moving over those cobble, cobbles in the oh, ditches, <laughs> inches from wet from frantic spectators at, you know, 40 to 45 kilometres an hour. And if you've ever ridden over those, that's on a road bike is a frankly astonishing uh, speed and that's going to weigh in your legs um, pretty quickly. It's just, you know, all those vibrations. Um, it's, it's yeah, it, it's it's a uniquely sapping race, so um, I don't think you can really understand it unless you've ridden it. Um, right, give us your favourites. Come on. Peter Sagan won it last year, GVA the year before. No, as well, as well, mentioned, I don't think GVA's got the team to support. Do you want to know which the Koenig riders are riding it? Oh, Philippe Gilbert, Zedek Stibar, Casper Asgreen, um, so four man there. Uh, De Klerk, Tim, uh, Ilio Kaiser, Yves Lampere, and Florian Seneschal. So, I mean, yeah, pick your winner from there, really. Uh, were I to go for one, were I to go for one from De Kerning, I would go, I'm going Stebar again, back in my man Stebar. He's uh, he's my, my out and out dark horse. Ollie Narsen, actually 2R. He's been, he's, if he's recovered from his bronchitis, yeah, he's been in form. Uh, AG2R, um, Sylvain Dillier, obviously, um, went into the Velodrome last year with <clears throat> Sagan, didn't he? Um, Team Sky, Luke Rowe, presumably they're going to be riding for him. We presume so. And He'd be a popular winner, and, wouldn't he? Uh, again, uh, yeah, he would absolutely be a popular winner. Uh, is he likely to win, though? No. No, I would say. And on that note, um, there's been, as ever... Uh, Who's your dark horse? I said my dark horse... Oh, well, my dark horse was Narsen, really. Actually, too hard. Kind of lightest of dark horses. The lightest horses. of dark horses. <laughs> uh, Stephen, who's your dark horse? Well, look, Steve R. Narsen, dark horse, Luke Rowe. I'd accept Luke Rowe as a darkish mm. horse. Dark horse. Mm. You know he's never won a professional race. Really? Well, I'd never heard uh, Betty on until... Yeah, but Betty on is 20. Tears the season. Hmm. Um, uh, oh, no, my dark horse, sorry. Edvald Nosenhagen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, then I'll go for Cavendish. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least it, 
EVH is actually riding. Um, uh, boys, what have we got coming up? What can we look forward to next week? A, a look back at Roubaix. Steve, anything planned? Uh, well, we've got um, a special guest in the studio next week, um, and that's going to be my friend Emma, who runs a very successful um, sports tour. Um, so, sorry, my apologies, Emma, cycling uh, tour company. And in fact, she is. What's um, it called? It's called Mellow Jersey. Yes, um, great name. And we are booked in with Emma to actually do the marmot this this year as well. I don't know if it's an endorsement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In any case, Emma's going to come on and tell us about. It does mean more feed stations, Graham, which is good. It, yeah, well, yeah. for me, it does. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, very, it's very good. Um, Weirdly, like you're the same shape. <laughs> you sure it's all food stuff in your jacket? If, if I may. Um, Yes, Emma's a very good cyclist, and right, she's finished eighth at the um, Mallorca three sixteen. Mm. Long old way. Sportive. Her friend Steen is, um, in fact, the QOM on La Trasse, the La Trasse climb of which Phil Guyman is the KOM. Yeah. Um, Steen is a uh, very talented. Uh, I think she's forty two now, so it's sort of missed the boat a bit in terms of, but doesn't doesn't seem to be interested. I'm still younger than Valverde, as I understand. Yes, so. yeah, yes. So yeah. lots to look forward to, boys. Um, please do join us again next week, and in the meantime, why not give us a rating if you've uh, if you've enjoyed? Oh, please do on uh, on whichever podcast your podcast platform of choice, platform you, yeah. perhaps. Uh, uh, no. I'm sorry about the end. No, I know. I guess it's, <laughs> it's so miserable. You've got to wait a whole week. Just don't want to let it go. <laughs> um, until then, it's good night from him, David Quinton. And it's good night from Stephen Bowby. It's salut from me. Uh, All right. And, and from me as well. Uh, so from me, Graham Wilgos, uh, we'll see you next time. Bye bye.